Hare Krishna. Welcome everybody to the Sunday morning program here at Radakalachanji Dam, Dallas, Texas. This morning we'll be speaking from the Srimad Bhagavatam, First Canto, Chapter 10, and we'll be focusing on chap- uh, text number 20. So please, if you have your books available or if you can access Vedabase on the internet, you can read along with us. My name is Rupanugadas. I'm a disciple of His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Uh, before we begin, we would like to offer our condolences to the devotees in the temple at in Bangalore. Uh, the temple was destroyed by some hooligans. One person, I think, was killed. Others were injured. A uh, very sad day in the world when such things happen to a religious group, those who are worshiping and trying to spread the glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we ask that everyone, if you have chanted your rounds for the day, please chant extra rounds. Uh, invoking the the blessings of the Supreme Lord on this group of people who undoubtedly were sincere devotees of Him. So it's a very, very unfortunate incident to occur. Uh, we know that Krishna has His reasons for doing everything and that, as it's stated, not a blade of grass moves in all the three worlds without the sanction of the Supreme Lord. Still, when such a heinous act is committed, then it makes us feel very bad. Not only for those who were the devotees who were affected, but it makes us feel bad for those who perpetrated the crime because their future is pretty bleak now. Whatever they've done in the past is probably overshadowed very much by this one act of violence against those who worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So our prayers go to both the criminals and to those against whom the crime was committed. Before we begin our reading this morning, we will invoke the blessings of the Supreme Lord. So this is our invocation. And if you know this, the tune that we're singing, please sing along with us. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vardhari Jai 
Daya Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Yashuranandanda Vajajana Ranjana Yashudanandana Vajajana Ranjana Yamuna Yamuna Tira Vandachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Jai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bo Jai Om Vishnupad Paramahansa Paribhidjaka Charja Hasto Tarasita Sri Srimad His Divine Loving Grace Apoye Charanaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Om Vishnupad Paramahansa Paribhidjaka Charja Hasto Tarasita Sri Srimad his Divine Grace, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki, Iskan BBT Founder, Charger, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Iskan Guru Parampara Ki, Sri Rupsi Sanatan Bhattaraganat, Sri Jeeva Gopal Basa, Dasaraganat Sat Gosami Prabhu Ki, Nama Charger, Srila Haridas Thakur Ki, Ramjago Sri Krishna Chaitanya Pramodityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrindaki Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakun Giri Govardhanaki Sri Vandavandamaki Sri Maturadamaki Sri Mayapurnavaditamaki Sri Jagannathpuridamaki Sri Sri Radhakalachandidamaki Ganga Deviki Jamuna Maiki Tulsi Devi Ki, Bhakti Devi Ki, Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda Ki, Brihat Madanga, Transcendental Book of Prasadam Distribution Ki, Nitagora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Namo Vishnupadaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Shumati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Dinamani Namaste Sarasvati Deva Gauravani Pichanini Nivasesha Shinivari Pashantade Shikarini Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam Devim Sadaswatim Yasun 
Tatojayam Udirayat Nasta Praiswabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Tamashloki Bhakti Bhavati Naistiki Kantarashimur Bhagavatam Ki Jai once again this morning we're reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 10, the chapter entitled Departure of Lord Krishna for Dwaraka. And we'll be focusing on text number 20. So we'll repeat word for word, please. Anyonyam asit sanjalpa utama Sloka Chaitasam Koravendra. That should be Koravendra Pura Strinam Sarva Shruti Mano Haraha. Now we'll do this as poetry. Anyonyam asit sanjalpa Uttama shloka chaitasam Koravendra purastrinam Sarvashruti manohara Anyonyam asit sanjalpa Uttamashloka chetasam Koravindra purastrinam Sarvashruti manohara Word-for-word translations. Anyonyam, among each other. Asit, there was. Sanjalpa, talking. Uttamashloka, the Supreme, who is praised by selected poetry. Chetasam, of those whose hearts are absorbed in that way. Kauravaindra, the king of the Kurus, 
Pura capital. Strinam. All the ladies. Sarva. All. Shruti. The Vedas. Manahara. Attractive to the mind. Translation of purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Absorbed in the thought of the transcendental qualities of the Lord, who is sung in select poetry, the ladies on the roofs of all the houses of Hastinapur began to talk of Him. This talk was more attractive than the hymns of the Vedas. And that's an important uh, last line of the translation. This talk was more attractive than the hymns of the Vedas, purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is stated that in the Vedic literatures, the goal of the person, the goal is the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. Factually, the glories of the Lord are depicted in such literatures as the Vedas, Ramayana, and Mahabharata. And in the Bhagavatam, they are specifically mentioned in respect to the Supreme Lord. Therefore, while the ladies on the tops of the houses in the capital of the kings of the Kuru dynasty were talking about the Lord, their talk was more pleasing than the Vedic hymns. Anything sung in the praise of the Lord is Shruti Mantra. There are songs of Thakur Narutam Das, one of the Acharyas in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, composed in simple Bengali language. But Thakur Vishnuanat Chakravarti, another very learned Acharya of the same Sampradaya, has approved the songs by Thakur Narutam Das to be as good as Vedic mantras. And this is so because of the subject matter. The language is immaterial. Now, get this. This is Prabhupada speaking. The language is immaterial. But the, but the subject matter is important. The ladies who were all absorbed in the thought and actions of the Lord developed the consciousness of Vedic wisdom by the grace of the Lord. And therefore, although such ladies might not have been very learned scholars in Sanskrit or otherwise, I guess that means or other languages, still whatever they spoke was more attractive than the Vedic hymns. means it comes from the heart. The Vedic hymns in the Upanishads are sometimes indirectly directed to the Supreme Lord. In the Upanishads, indirectly directed, it says sometimes, or that, to the Supreme Lord. But the talks of the ladies were directly spoken of the Lord, and thus they were more pleasing to the heart. The ladies' talks appeared to be more valuable than the learned Brahmana's benedictions. <laughs> Anybody want to put women down now at this point? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. If one can have the body of a man, the body of a woman, the body of a child, and still say nice things in, in honor of the Supreme Lord, and it's accepted with great pleasure. 
Om Gyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamaya Tadati Swabarantikam Chant with me. Bande Hum Shri Guru Shri Dutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagvajattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Padijana Sahiram Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karanasindo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Paptakan Chanagurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vachakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha Sri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Translation once more. Absorbed in the thought of the transcendental qualities of the Lord who is sung in select poetry, the ladies on the roofs of the houses of Hastinapura began to, t- began to talk of him. This talk was more attractive than the hymns of the Vedas. So I, I read the translation and purport again this morning a couple of times. And uh, I was wanting to pick up something from what was said in here about uh, the ladies talking about the, on, uh, about the Supreme Lord on the tops of the houses as Krishna is about to leave Hastinapura, headed back home to Dwaraka. Um, but I somehow or other did not prepare to talk about that very much. Um, I guess what I'm what I'm really interested in is is to train the mind to remember the Lord as these ladies were thinking about the Lord, because if one remembers the Lord at all times, then one will speak of the Lord and one will say nice things about the Lord, and so uh, there there is then. Uh, Indirectly, there is some uh, desire here that we train our minds in such a way that we speak of the Lord, we think of the Lord quite often. And Srila Prabhupada said that this this is the most important uh, thing to remember, that we should always remember Krishna. And what's the other part? And never forget Krishna. And so to do that, then if we, if we want to be successful, then we have to train our minds. Because, you know, we have really encouraged our minds to wander by our activities and by the conversations that we have. We, we're always talking about things that don't have very much to do with the Supreme Lord and His pastimes. Why? Because 
everything about us is so interesting. We find it so interesting, and 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 it causes us so many difficulties that we can hardly help ourselves to think about it, even when we're trying not to. <clears throat> and part of the reason for that is we're we're always cluttering our mind with mundane events and images, and TV has the television has helped us to get to that point of cluttering our minds. And the videos that are always available to us, either on the Internet or in, uh, in some other medium, uh, or in even the books that we might choose to read, if we're, if we're good book scholars, uh, they, they do not a whole lot more generally than just fill the mind with mundane thoughts. And, and thoughts of mundane activities and the images that go with it, particularly the internet and, and the television. Uh, they have, they've taken the technology farther now and now we are, we're seeing images to go with all of the ideas that are being presented by the words. So we talk with other people about these ordinary daily events. I can remember when I was working at a desk job and I would go into an office, this was before the days of Krishna consciousness for me, that, you know, what would, what would people be talking about? Sports, women, um, cars, mortgages, all these things that just absolutely take the mind away. And, and then so what, what do the ordinary people do to kind of get rid of all those thoughts that have been going through their minds all day at the end of the day? Intoxication. They have to do something to get some peace of mind. And this is the way to get peace of mind. But not only is it deleterious to the body, in other words, it, it can, it can control what's, go, what the body is going to be like in the future. You can almost, Guess by looking at a person's habits today what his life is going to be like when he reaches 50, 60 years old. And if he makes it that long, then when, you know, then the seventies hit and then things really go downhill fast. And so they, they, in other words, in, instead of preparing for the most exhilarating experience of their lives, and that is giving up their bodies, they're spending all their days and nights Listening to and watching things that just uh, just absorb the mind so much and completely take them away from any possibility of thoughts of the Supreme Lord, even if they had the information available to them. And for the most part, they don't. Who knows? Who who knows that uh, that Krishna was it was engaged in this battle at uh, Kurukshetra? Who knows about that? Except people that have grown up in the in the uh, Hindu culture, perhaps. And since that time. Only because we've had His holy, His divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, bringing this literature to us, and His disciples then furthering, further enhancing the literature, if it's possible to enhance. And I think by giving their own thoughts, it is an enhancement of the literature that we receive from our disciplic succession. So by doing those, uh, doing those things, following the examples that have been given to us, then we we get, began to get some relief without the use of intoxication, and many of us who have come to Krishna consciousness were very much involved in using intoxications and having all of the kinds of activities to make our lives tolerable, and and tolerable is about the limit of it. We used to call it happiness.
But now we call it making it tolerable. Because as Srila Prabhupada has said, uh, this, this material world is a place of suffering and ignorance. As a matter of fact, every time we say the prayer before we honor prasadam, that's what we say. Oh Lord, this material body is a place of suffering and ignorance. And the senses are a network of paths that lead us to death. So, we, therefore, we, we read and we view, we, uh, view fictional stories, um, in the form of movies, in the form of plays, in the form of just literatures, uh, that really, they, they just take our minds away. But we think that's enjoyment because it does take our mind away from our day-to-day boredom or the, you know, the difficult conflicts that we face. So then we, and we, we, even, even when we become devotees, we, and we're trying to chant our japa, which is the holy names of the Lord, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Even when we're doing that, whatever we have read, whatever we have viewed on television, internet, or videos recently, those thoughts are continuing to swirl about in our minds. Even if it was the night before when we saw something or read something, uh, still, in the mornings, when we pick up our bees to start chanting, have you had that experience? That it, it, those those thoughts it's just like hearing an old song that you, that you just remembered from years ago, and sometimes that song just starts going around and around inside your cranium. You know, this big space, empty space for me, empty space up here on top of my shoulders. It's just in those, those, even the songs just go around and around. And that's, you know, it's, it's really hard to bring the mind back. So, uh, this was something that Arjuna, even on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, Arjuna was a, was a mighty warrior, but he was also a very close friend and cousin brother of the Supreme Lord Krishna. So we know that in the battle that took place in which 640 million men were killed in 18 days on the battle, on the battlefield of Kurukshetra in India, is, the field is there, it's still there. Um, but 640 million men were killed on that. So Arjuna is talking with Krishna, uh, and Krishna is, is trying to answer some of the questions that Arjuna has asked. And one is in, in particular is about the mind. So in, uh, in the, in Bhagavad Gita, this is, uh, sixth chapter, thirty-fourth verse. Chanchalam hi mana krishna pramoti balavad dridham tasyaham nigraham manye vayor eva suduskaram. And the translation to that is the mind is restless, turbulent, obstinate, and very strong, O Krishna. This is Arjuna lamenting that he's listening to his mind and coming up with all these reasons that he's given for not wanting to kill his kinsman. Um, so, and to subdue it, I think, is more difficult than controlling the wind. And part of the purport, Srila Prabhupada, is, is, he echoes that. He says, the mind is so strong and obstinate that it sometimes overcomes the intelligence, although the mind is supposed to be subservient to the intelligence. For a man in the practical world who has to fight so many opposing elements, Prabhupada says, it is very certainly very difficult to control the mind. Artificially, one may establish a mental equilibrium toward both friend and enemy. But ultimately, no worldly man can do so, for this is more difficult than controlling the raging wind. 
And considering the hurricanes that we've had this year and the damage that they've done and the lives that have been lost, the property that's been lost, who can control that? It's impossible. It's not, there's nothing. There's nothing that we have that we have uh, in our in our society that has been created that could control even a small even a small hurricane even a thunderstorm you know who what can we do about that and a hurricane is a lot worse usually than a thunderstorm so we have to try to find a way to bring the mind under control and one of the ways it's recommended is to fill the mind with thoughts of Christian's pastimes because those are interesting and they're eternal and they have substance and they're always, they're, they always have as their uh, hero the supreme personality of Godhead. Now, that's kind of nice because um, that keeps us then from having to constantly think about all the disasters that are occurring nowadays, even in political uh, happenings in our own country's capital city. You know, they're... they're, they're Two parties are divided against each other, two political parties, and they're just, they're simply, uh, creating whatever kind of stir- disturbance they can to try to make their opponents look bad. Regardless of who becomes the president, he never does anything right. Uh, some people say, you know, some people, they, they think back to another president in a, in a past time that was, uh, that was just, um, um, so so horrible in his ability to, to govern uh, that uh, that um, uh, he was he was he'd been voted and there've been many like that. I'm not talking about just one person. I mean, there are many people, and and so the, the, people have to have something to counteract what they hear and what they see on the news. Uh, otherwise, they just become depressed and more and more despondent. And if they don't have anybody to lift their spirits, they kind of remain in this despondent situation. And uh, I, I, my wife's father is 95 years old now. He's staying in an assisted care home. And his mind is still really sharp. But, he's, but he thinks about politics a lot. And whoever the president happens to be in power, if he's not of his party... That I'm talking about my wife's father's party, then, you know, he's, he's always doing bad stuff, doing wrong stuff, you know, and so he, he dreams back to whoever was in power before whom he agreed with, and, it, and so his mind is always disturbed like that, and so, sometimes when my wife and my children call him just to chat with him, you know, these kinds of things come out. So we fill the mind with thoughts of Christian's pastimes, we have something else to talk about. Something that's beautiful, something that's sweet, and we interject topics of Krishna into our conversations, and we can't help it. We're devotees of Krishna, and whenever we're talking with somebody, it's practically impossible for us not to say something about Krishna, Krishna's control, Krishna's pastimes. What would Krishna have done in a situation like this? So that's one way that devotees then start bringing their mind under control. And then we choose the relationships that can contribute to desirable memories. When we get smart, I should say, we do that. Otherwise, if we, if we uh, come into Krishna consciousness and we continue to have relationships uh, that we are, we are around uh, a lot of the time, even while we're trying to practice Krishna consciousness, uh, I've seen it before. 
it, it, it will take people away. Uh, they, will, they will come in enthusiastic by what they hear about Krishna consciousness, and they'll begin to see little things that are not so good. Devotees are doing this, and they're not doing this. And pretty soon, you just don't see them anymore. They don't come around. Yeah, I know people like that who have taken initiation from a really nice spiritual master. And they'll find themselves, their minds just take them away. That's not, that's what to, what to do. So choosing uh, the kinds of relationships we have is a really, really important thing. Just almost as important as picking up our beads in the morning and chanting the holy names of the Lord. Just as important as reading the literatures. Um, a matter of fact, let's see what was said. Um, Prabhupada made the statement, I believe, so I've heard, that there's nothing more important than chanting the holy names of the Lord. It's the most important thing there is. But even more important than that is to be, is to keep oneself in the association of devotees. Now, how can he say that one is the most important thing, and on the other hand, there's something more important than that? That is because the likelihood of your being able to continue chanting the holy names of the Lord is greatly dependent on the kind of people you're around. And if you're around people who are always taking your mind away uh, and causing you to focus on some difficulty that they're having or some difficulty ISKCON is having or some kind of problems the United States is having or that England is... if If you just focus on that all the time... You know, it's really hard to be happy. You just can't be. So Prabhupada, it discouraged us from dealing in politics especially. And he also discouraged us from continuing to have the association with those persons that take our minds away from, from the most important thing in our lives. I said the most exhilarating experience we'll ever have is leaving our bodies, leaving this planet. Can you think of anything more exciting than that? Well, most people get kind of depressed when they think about it because they think, well, I'm either going to heaven or hell, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to make it into. I'm hoping I make it into heaven because there you live forever. If you go to hell, you you cease to exist or you have to suffer eternally for whatever you've done in this one lifetime. And so uh, devotees are, are very pleased then when they come into contact with the knowledge that Srila Prabhupada has given us. So reading is one of those things that is that Prabhupada really emphasized. He said two hours a day. And uh, and uh, my god sister Jai Shirati was speaking the other day in a class saying that uh, sometimes that's, that's, that's a pretty, it, I mean, it's hard to imagine having the time and having the inclination and being able to stay awake to read two hours a day. So she said, start at, start it slowly. Start reading some. Read 10, 15 minutes. And you can even supplement your reading by listening to classes. And we have a really nice archived um, uh, recordings. We have very nice recordings of classes that have been given here in the temple room and, and in other places. And there have been some really uh, advanced souls. I mean, not, you don't have to listen to me all the time. They get some really advanced souls who come into this community and give them classes. And, and that's, that's one of the ways that I spend my time. I try, especially when I'm getting ready to fall asleep at night, um, I, I, I listen to one of the classes, especially the ones been given that day in the morning. Because when I hear it the first time, I'm usually I'm distracted by other things. I hear about half of it, maybe. 
and I remember less than that. So I find that if I listen to the class again, then I'm, I'm really amazed at what was said. I, I wonder, how did I miss that? And if I'm, if, if I'm really not sleepy at night and I'm not wanting to take rest, I listen to my own class and then I fall asleep very quickly. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I'm surprised at what has come out of my mouth because I, I, was, I can't remember saying it in the, in the temple, in the class. And, and so I just have to presume that my spiritual master has jumped in there and given me something to say. Uh, it's not like everything I say, or anybody who's giving class, it's not like they decide on what they're going to say. Sometimes they have to say, all right, Krishna, I can't, I can't think of anything useful to say today. Please help. And he will. He'll help you because you'll start getting ideas in your mind and you, and you say, I'm thinking about these things. But really, you're not thinking about them. You're focusing on what you're hearing coming into your mind. How about that? Is that a good way to look at it? So we, then we have to control what kind of thoughts are going to come into our minds. And that depends a lot on what our eyes are looking at and what our ears are hearing. So with dealing with everyday events, we have to recognize those moments uh, when we're lapsing in the thoughts of mundane affairs. You have to recognize, first of all, in order to, to know a problem, you have to recognize that it exists. And you have to know when your mind is taking your, taking your intelligence away. When you're taking your consciousness away. And so to, to be able to recognize that very moment as when you're lapsing into thought of mundane affairs is a valuable thing. And it has to be learned. You learn to do that. You learn what to, to recognize the thing. Uh, you have to recognize when you're feeling your change in mood uh, while you're contemplating current topics. Uh, you start thinking about something that is happening in, in the in the in another country even, and you start you start being concerned about that, and you wonder why is it that we can't do anything about that? People of Syria. Uh, having to suffer so much, you know, just a, a year or two ago, and probably still are, and because the the president of the country was practically declaring war on the people, on the citizens, because they were not, he thought that they were not thinking in in the way that he was thinking. So, if you start thinking about these things, you you need to feel the change in your mood when you're thinking about those things. And that way you can recognize that, hey, I have lapsed into something that is not so good. I can take my mind away from that. I can start remembering the lack of importance of those temporary affairs. How important really are they to my life? And what can I do about them? Not much I can do about them. I mean, we've got our whole government spending trillions of dollars in Afghanistan and having to pull out of the country and run like a dog with its tail between its legs, <laughs> like you chase a dog away, and he's you know he's very humbled by that usually, and he puts his tail between his legs and he runs away as quickly as he can. So we find ourselves doing that time and again. Uh, Korea, uh, back in the well, nineteen what fifties, and then and then Vietnam in the nineteen sixties. And then Afghanistan for the past 20 years or so, we spent trillions of dollars. I was looking at something yesterday about our debt, our national debt. It seemed like it was something like 27 
trillion dollars that our government owes to someone, probably China, because China has been, you know, they they got so much money coming in from their manufacturing now that they become quite wealthy, and they got money to put somewhere, and so people think, well, where can I put it? I'll put it in the United States government because it seems to be the most stable thing on the planet, and that's what they do with their money, and so our our government continues to borrow money. And raising the debt limit. Every every time they talk about debts, they're talking about raising the debt limit. So, what can we do about that? Nothing. Nada. That's it. Nothing we can do about that. One thing we can do, though, is to adjust what's going on in our minds. If we learn how to do that. It takes intelligence to do that. So, we take some... When we get worried about things, we take some solace... In comparing our current events and going on in the world with transcendental topics. And then we find that, uh, when we compare them, they're not much in comparison with the, uh, war of Kurukshetra. 640 million men, 18 days finished. Their lives are finished. They're going to their next destination. And for those who, who gave up their bodies on the battlefield, just ordinary soldiers, according to their consciousness, they, they could more likely went to the heavenly planets within this universe where they will enjoy life for many, many years, some 10,000 years, maybe longer. Or they may come into contact with somebody while they're there that's going to help them get out of even the, the, uh, the heavenly planets and go back to the spiritual world, which is really our desired course of action, isn't it? Go back to the spiritual world so that we don't have to come back into this place and do it all over again. If you go to the heavenly planets, you simply spend lifetime after lifetime, well, we say lifetimes, maybe 10,000 years, 20,000 years, just enjoying unlimitedly. Now, it is said that everybody, you know, all the demigods are more or less servants of the Supreme Lord. They're familiar. They're aware of the Supreme Lord. Some are far more advanced than others, and some even reside on the planet of Lord Brahma, who is a great devotee of the Lord. He's the one who came 500 years ago into this planet uh, when, uh, upon the advent of Lord Chaitanya. This is Krishna's advent as his own servant. And Haridas Thakur was, took his birth as a Muslim. Uh, and yet, we find out in reading Chaitanya Charitamrita that the same Haridas Thakur is Lord Brahma. He just gave up his position for a short time, or maybe he's doing both at the same time. And is coming into this world to take part in the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What a nice thing. So, uh, we, 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 when we compare what's going on around us with transcendental topics, such as this, such as Lord Chaitanya coming, uh, this is Krishna in disguise, coming to spread, uh, consciousness of his name, his glories, the, the spiritual world, to try to get people to stop taking birth in this material world, then uh, it seems like we've got a pretty good deal going on with this Krishna consciousness business. We, we have something really to be gained. So uh, when, when we start feeling that we have made a little progress, then we, we want to assist other people too. Because that's one thing, that's the reason Lord Chaitanya came, one of the reasons that he came. To help get people out of this this uh, re- this cycle of repeated birth and death in this material world, and in this age of Kali, we think things have gotten bad in the past fifty years, and they have. 
They have. All you got to do is look at some of the old black and white television programs from 50 years ago. Compare them to what you see today on television. Oh, man. You wonder, is there any hope? If this can happen in 50 years, what can happen in 500 more years? What's it going to be like then? Of course, we know that there's the golden age of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the golden age of the golden avatar that's going to, that has already begun. It's already begun. People's consciousness is changing now, thanks to His divine grace. So we're always attempting to return to Vaishnava philosophy in our conversations with other people. We're looking, especially if it's really mundane, like you go and visit with your parents and they're talking about something mundane. You, you're, you're thinking, how can I interject something of Krishna consciousness into this conversation to keep it from being a waste of my perfectly good two hours, whatever that conversation was going to take? So we, we try to do that. We show some real sympathy to the distresses of others, and we feel sympathy when they have to suffer. We, it's not that we, we go up to them and, and stand right there and look them in the face and say, all this is because of what you've done wrong in the past. You've got to suffer. So you might as well just accept it. No, we don't do that, do we? If somebody loses a loved one, and people, many people have lost loved ones, and now in Bangladesh, we see that uh, some some hooligans have attacked the temple, destroyed the temple, killed one person, caused a lot of suffering to other people. That uh, the, the, these uh, these we show sympathy. I mean, it's not that we we're thinking, well, it's just their misfortune. It's just they're getting the results of their karma. We don't think like that. We think these are human beings that are suffering, and they should not have had to suffer. You know, if there, if Krishna consciousness had been there in full force, then the hooligans would not have been there. They would have been turned into devotees of the Lord. So we don't even think about condemning the hooligans. It's said in the 11th canto, we should not criticize anyone. Because everybody is just under the influence of the material energy of the Lord to some extent or the other. And if we think we're so much better than that, we can just remember back a few years ago when we were in the same position as some of these others, uh, doing all the same stupid stuff, you know, causing pain to other people, causing pain to our family members, you know, all kinds of things that we've done. So we really feel some sympathy whenever we see other people suffering. We know that it's just a pity. And what's even more pitiable is to think that they're going to continue doing activities Whenever they get past this point, they're going to continue doing activities that are causing suffer in the future. So that's the really pitiable part of anyone having to suffer in this world. It's not that just right now they're having to go through so much pain and difficulty. It's just that it, to know that in the future they're going to have to go through it again. So we feel sympathy. We, we try to remind other people of the reactions that they're having to endure we, in other words, we try to let them know that this is not the fault of someone else, that you have been attacked verbally, physically, emotionally, some way. It's not really the fault of somebody else. And this is some, this is a point that's really hard for a lot of devotees to get through their minds, that I'm not the one that is the cause of my suffering. That's what they think. They think it's somebody else. It's this person over here that's the cause of my suffering. And they're wrong. Nobody has to suffer in this material world for something that somebody else does. It's only for what they themselves have done that they have to suffer. 
Now, Krishna may allow a person like Srila Prabhupada to come into this country and go through some difficult times during that first year he was here, getting things started. And he, he might also let uh, the disciples of, of Srila Prabhupada see the suffering that Prabhupada has to go through, the apparent suffering he's having to go through when he's getting ready to leave his body. My wife and I are reading about that in uh, I Will Build You a Temple by His, his Holiness, uh, Giridharj Swami Maharaj, about how Prabhupada was just, just nothing but skin and bones. There was no muscle in, in his body, practically no muscle left. And still, he was asking Giridharj Maharaj, how are you doing? Here he is on his deathbed, and he knows it. He knows it's, it's, it, it could be any, come at any moment now. And that's what he's thinking. So that's the way we can be. When we remind other people of the reactions that you're getting now. Of course, we don't do that right after their, you know, the loss of a loved one, for example. We don't try to talk with them at that time. We just simply, you know, try to comfort them and show our condolences and, and try to give them a little bit of solace, a little bit of peace. Uh, but uh, we, it's necessary, it really is necessary for us to tell other people why they're suffering. We, uh, we, we can always revel in the knowledge that Krishna is always in complete control. And we can share that with other people too. I, you know, I'm really sorry that this has happened. I, I regret that you have lost your child, that you've lost your mother, that you've lost your father. I really regret that. But please keep in mind that Krishna's in control of this soul that was in that body. And he has taken that soul. Why? Why is Krishna in control? Well, he's always in control. But sometimes he turns it over to his material energy. If it's people who have no interest in, in worshiping Krishna, no interest in getting out of this material world, he says to the prison warden, yes, prison warden, please keep this person in prison for a while longer. He's not ready to get out and, uh, and uh, enjoy his freedom again. So he does that. But for those who are really his devotees, Krishna takes personal control. So it is said, for a devotee, there is no karma. There may be some reactions that Krishna may choose to let the devotee experience from time to time, just to turn his head around and let him know that this place is not the, the, your final resting place. To, to let them know that uh, what you're calling happiness now is not your real happiness because your body at any moment, you can, you can lose the, the faculties that you've got. Or you can have some difficulty, uh, especially when you get on up into the years. Like I'm, I'm finding that out now, that I, the kinds of things that I used to do, I would do just because I wanted to, and I could. But now I may want to do them, but I can't do them anymore. Because the body just will not cooperate. So it's, it's, it's like that. We have to be reminded that Krishna is always in complete control, especially if we're devotees of Krishna. Or if we are, even with our relatives, we can say that our relatives are also receiving Krishna's personal attention. And then we have to accept that as our, our difficulties are coming from our own past activities, as we mentioned earlier, and, and that, um, the only reason that we're having to suffer now is because of that which we've done in the past and and we have to just have to be aware of it, familiar with it, uh, so that we just don't do it in the future. So this this whole thing with Krishna consciousness 
is a, is coming to the realization that um, that our mind is very difficult to control, and therefore uh, whatever reactions are coming to us have come in the past because we have not been able to control our minds because we did not even know how to do that. But now we understand that we have to make our conscious, I mean our, our uh, intelligence, very strong so that our minds will remain in control. Because if our, if our intelligence is not controlling the mind, then the senses are. And that's just that's the opposite of the way it's supposed to happen. The intelligence is supposed to control the mind. The mind is supposed to control the senses. And, and therefore, we, we can actually... Um, do the kinds of things that devotees or that any human being is supposed to do in this lifetime. So then we, we, we'll come back to the text now. We really appreciate the fact that these women who were in the, in the capital city of Hastinapura and were seeing Krishna leave, they didn't go out and throw themselves directly into the path of Krishna's chariot, uh, they uh, they simply went up on the roofs knowing that Krishna was going to leave and not knowing how they could tolerate uh, the, the fact that he would not be present among them anymore. We have to come to that kind of feeling about Krishna ourselves, and whenever we forget about Krishna, then we have to regret that and come back to the, to the thought that Krishna is always with us if we simply think about him. If we simply think, simply think about him, think about his pastimes, think about the spiritual world that he resides in all the time, the place that we can go to as soon as we give up these bodies, if we just try to perform a little austerity in this lifetime. And, and so we could, all of that is, you know, controlling the mind, controlling the senses, and remembering Krishna and his pastimes. Those are the kinds of things that are going to get us out of this material world. Hare Krishna. We invite any comments or anything that has come to mind. While you're thinking, I'll say that, uh, I'll tell everybody who's listening in by radio, tel- telephone, or, or internet that uh, I know you're there and I know you're listening. And even if you're not listening right now as the class is going on, uh, at some time during the day or during the evening, maybe you'll listen to uh, what is what has been said by way of the uh, the recordings that are in the archive section. That's uh, radhakalachanji.org. Go to the menu, scroll down to media, click on the little arrow on the right hand side of the bo- of the box that the media is in. And you'll, you'll get to the archived recordings of classes. So is anything that anyone wanted to say or add? Can you, can you remove your mask? I have trouble here. Can, can you, can you speak into the microphone that is there? See if you can turn it on. Hold that bottom button down. And that way, people who are out there listening in might be able to hear you too. And I want them to hear what you got to say. I know a lot of people have asked this question up, before, uh, but it's still difficult for me to wrap my mind around. I, I understand that things that we go through, we've caused due to our karma, right? But what, like, and, let me see. If, if I was molested as a kid, 
an adult, okay, I understand that maybe somewhere in the past, in my past life, I'm, I caused it to happen now. Yeah. I, I can kind of understand that, but what about, sometimes it, it's hard to, when is there like a stopping point to that? Was there an end point to where we can just say, ultimately, it wasn't the victim's fault, it was the person who perpetrated the victim? Does that make sense? Well, because that, that, we, that, we understand. That line gets yeah. blurred sometimes. It's almost like the victim's blamed. Yeah, the victim. I, and we certainly don't want to, uh, you know, blame the yeah. victim and say uh, not at the time they're suffering. But uh, Krishna's laws are set up so that we only suffer for what we have done, not for what somebody else has, is doing to us. Now, that person may do something to us and makes us feel bad, makes us suffer. That is a possibility. Krishna can send anyone to bring the reactions that we're supposed to get. And they're unavoidable. So if that person doesn't bring us reactions, there's going to be somebody else that does. And we've heard it said before, you've heard this too, I believe, Jorge, that uh, devotees... When they suffer, we understand that Krishna is just giving us a little sampling of what we actually... So, in other words, instead of instead of getting our arm cut off, we may get a scratch on our wrist. So, um, any time then that we're suffering and we think it is because of someone else, uh, we're, we need to remind ourselves that this person is the postman. The person who is bringing that suffering to us is the postman. In other words, just like I get a bill. I get a bill for my taxes. I have to pay taxes. And then I go out and yell at the postman, why do you bring me this? <laughs> and, and so and so the postman, you know, he, I'm, just, I'm just the carrier. I just deliver what someone has sent. Well, we understand, Jorge, that... Uh, uh, that the reactions that we're getting or any suffering that we have to undergo, uh, we're due them. And if we are not due them, then God is unjust. He's making us suffer because of somebody else instead of because of something we've done. And that is unjust. And we know that Krishna is not unjust. We know that he's fair. And that he will not give us any suffering to bear that we don't deserve. As a matter of fact, as devotees of the Lord, He minimizes that suffering. But, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, a person gets cancer. Who's causing that? Is it the manufacturer of all those uh, products that they've been eating for all their lives? We're going to blame it on the manufacturer? Did we have somebody forcing that food into our mouths that is eventually causing us to suffer? We can't blame it on the manufacturer. We can't blame things on our politicians, as many people think. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to blame the politicians and say, if we just had a good government, well, it's true. If we had a good government, then the world would be peaceful. If there were good government, if King Yudhishthir was still the emperor of the world, we'd be living in Ramraj. In other words, the 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 way things were when Lord Ramchandra was present as the as the king of the world. Uh, but we don't have that now. So we, we might say then, well, how, why do I have to suffer what this 
administration or my politicians are doing. Why am I having to suffer for that? Uh, they're just being bad guys. Well, it's true. They're not being bad guys. I mean, they're not being good guys because they just don't know how to be. They don't have Brahmins giving them counsel. We have Brahmins giving us counsel, however. And if we have to suffer, we understand that we're just getting a tidbit. And and if we see somebody else having to suffer, they're just getting a tidbit. Krishna is allowing it to happen. And as what I was going to say earlier was that we understand that when a devotee is the agent bringing that suffering to a person, then that's considerably worth more than if a non-devotee were bringing the suffering. Hard to understand, isn't it? It's very hard to understand. <laughs> and Krishna difficult. says that, uh, you know, if, if, if a Brahmin, if a Brahmana, uh, approaches you and chastises you, even if he cuts you, you're to stand there with folded hands and accept it. Now he doesn't say that for persons who are outside our religious beliefs, non-Brahmanas or non-devotees. But even Jesus said that in the Bible. He said, if someone slaps you on one side of the face, turn the face and let them slap you on the other side. Because he knows that that person is ridding you of your karmic reactions. And you, and, and therefore you can be peaceful. Because if you don't be peaceful, then you start being vindictive. You, you want to be vindicated. Or you cause me to suffer. You, you slap me on the face. I'm, I'm going to take, take up my weapon. And so we try, we try, of course, we will take out a weapon to try to protect other people, other devotees, because we're instructed to do that. Prabhupada is instructed us. He says, if anybody tries to hurt the deities, to destroy the temple, take whatever action is necessary. Devotees said, should we use bows and arrows, Prabhupada? He said, no, get guns. He said that about our New Vrindavan community at one time, Hori. When they were under attack by local hooligans that were coming up and you know, trying to destroy the temple, hurt pe- hurt people. Uh, so uh, anyhow, when when it's a devotee that comes, the best thing that we can do is just accept it humbly. Like you're bringing something to me directly from Krishna. You you don't even sound like you right now. You sound like somebody else. So I'm taking that Krishna has given you this this responsibility for coming and telling me what I'm doing wrong and what I, how I need to correct it. And if you don't do that, then you're always looking for vindications. You're looking for someone to bring suffering. I, I, hope, I hope that person has to suffer. Or you, or you think, that person's going to suffer for what he just did to me or for what he said to me. And, 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 and it's almost like you're saying, I wish I were around to see that person suffer for what he's just done. <laughs> what about if it's something a lot more extreme? Like, what if, what if a devotee kills my mom? And my mom's not technically not a Well, she's not really a devotee, but, well, I mean, she is. But, like, what, what, what if it's something that extreme? Like, how am I to feel if a devotee kills my mother, who I'm very close to? Should I, I mean... Is that person who killed my mother not punishable by law? Or, I mean, and then how does that work? Like, like is that their karma? If a, if a devotee comes and... and kills com- my mom? And kills your... Mother. Your mother. Yeah, what is something that extreme? Well, first of all, you try to protect your mother as best you can. Yeah. And, and, you know, if someone comes in to try to kill your mother, 
I can tell you this: devotee's not going to do that. But if, if some re, if we, there have, we've had devotees that have gone off the deep end here, you know, coming and staying in our community for a while, and sometime or other they might go off, go a little bit insane. Well, first of all, you try to keep that person from hurting anyone else. Yes, especially if it's someone close to you, like your family member. Uh, you know, if it, I mean, I keep guns in my house. If anybody were to enter my house, uh, if it were devotee, I'd try to find out why he's breaking into my house and coming in with a weapon. And if he's got a weapon, he's, he's ready to do me harm, I'll probably uh, try to stop him in some way, hopefully by not having to take his life. Uh, but at, at the same time, you know, when the, when the, when the damage is over, when, when the crisis is passed, then I have to remind myself, or my wife has to remind, or somebody has to remind me, hey, listen, this person is not the cause of your suffering. Not the cause of your suffering. You are the cause of your suffering, Rupanuga. Maybe something you, I, I mean, I can look back in this lifetime even, and, and I can, I can, I can see that there are things that I have done that were deserving of imprisonment even. I should have been in jail for that. I, sh- I, should, I, should have had, I should have given up my life for doing what I did. But, as, you know, when, when a thing like that happens, then it's, you know, I'm feeling bad. You, first of all, you know, I'm hurt in some way, emotionally, psychologically, physically. I'm hurt. And, and my, my first impression is to... to tr- My first impression is to try to uh, uh, to vindicate myself. Uh, but then after I have time to think about it, as I did, something that occurred to me a couple of years ago uh, with, a, with a devotee. And I was really angry at that time. But then um, later on, I started thinking, why did I get angry? It wasn't that person that caused me to be, you know, chastised about something. It was something that I've done. If it wasn't just at that moment in time, it's just something that I've done in the past. I'm very fortunate that this person has relieved me of that reaction that I was going to have to take from somebody. Just Krishna arranged it that a, that he that a devotee, a nice devotee, came and gave me that kind of chastisement that I had to receive. It was coming. So if we always feel that way about our reactions that are coming to us, uh, then we can be we can have peace of mind. But if we're always thinking, I didn't deserve that. I'm going to get back at this guy or this girl, this woman. I'm going to get back at them somehow. I'm going to make them suffer just like they've made me suffer. When when you do that, then you're giving up all the benefit that Krishna has sent to you to get rid of some of your reactions from the past. That's a sad thing. <laughs> it's just like you know we were talking earlier about uh, one of the one of the saddest parts of a person having to suffer, a non-devotee having to suffer, is not realizing that he's the cause of his suffering, and he's going to go back out if he recovers from whatever the you know situation was. If he recovers, he's going to go back out and do the same thing again, and he's going to have to suffer again. And if he hasn't finished up his suffering by the end of his lifetime. 
guess what? He has to come back and do it again and, and receive either the good favor that he gave to somebody else or to receive the bad favor. Devotees, you know, when you're right in the middle of a difficult time, your mind will play all kinds of games with you. I don't deserve it. That's the first thing. I don't deserve it. You're making me suffer, and I don't deserve it. Then God is unjust. If that's really the case, then God is unjust, because He's allowing you or making you suffer for something you didn't do. You were innocent. So you think about all the wars that have gone on in the past 200 years with this country. Many, many wars. And many, many men, good men and women have, have given up their lives. And in other countries, think about Vietnam. Think about what the United States did to the Vietnamese people and their, and their, and their country. Horrible, horrible. And we wonder why our country is having to suffer? Yes. So now we feel, we feel, we feel sorry for a person who is having to go through suffering, but we don't join them in saying that this person, this other person has brought it to me should have to suffer more than he's having to suffer or she. I think it's a very interesting point that you brought up. It's a very good philosophical point and it's one that most, many devotees forget about at the moment they're having to go through it. And they have to be reminded by somebody like me or somebody like you. Because our time is coming and they're going to have to remind us. Hey, Rupanuga, you know what you were telling me about my having to suffer for what I've done? Well, you're having to suffer now too. So don't blame it on somebody else, buddy. <laughs> and all I can say is yes, Prabhu. Thank you very much, Prabhu. Forgive me for any offenses, and I'm sorry. I, I don't want to come off like I'm, I'm pushing back because I'm not. And I, I, forgive me for raising such, such subject matter in front of a devotee form of Kalachandra. Um, but I just, it's just, and it's a difficult pill for me to swallow. And I know I'm still very enmeshed in it in my consciousness. But like, what if it's something very, very, very extreme? Like, a, uh, forgive me for saying this, like a sannyasi inappropriately having relations with a, a child, basically, like. My mind says that as a sannyasi, he sh- knows a lot more than we know. So, is that just like him falling victim to his, his weird passions in his mind, or let's, let's, that, that's a re- that's a really good example? I mean, it's a horrible example, yeah. but it's a good example to talk about because what what should we do about that? Well, first of all, we're not that person's authority, spiritual or otherwise. So if, if it's something that needs to be brought to the attention of that person's authority, that he, this person has wrongly used the child, then that, that authority has a responsibility for giving, meeting out whatever punishment is necessary. And sometimes it's, it seems very harsh. Other times people say he didn't, get, he didn't get enough. He didn't get what he deserved. He needs to die. Or he needs, he needs to be kicked out of his con entirely and never allowed to approach in again. And there have been, there have been times when people were given that kind of punishment. But it's not up to us, you and me, to decide. Because there's a lot that we don't know about every situation. And, and uh, until we become very knowledgeable 
about a situation, we don't know what a person is due. And, and if, uh, if our authority, whoever that authority is, if my spiritual master tells me, no, don't worry about this anymore. Krishna is taking care of that situation. If that person deserves to suffer more, Krishna will see to it that that person suffers. We don't have to worry about that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, in the Bible. And it is. So, well, so it's, you know, we, sometimes we think, well, I should do something about it. Well, you can tell somebody, uh, if, if you see something going on and it's, it, it hasn't become common knowledge or, or, you know, it's going on and nobody knows about it, but you just like the priests in the Catholic Church who have taken some advantage of so many children, and not only the priests in the Catholic Church, every church practically has had someone in it, a preacher or somebody, you know, who has been in a prominent position and has taken advantage of the people who are coming, whether it be child or be women or be men. Um, they've, had, they've had people to, to have to deal with like that. So what do you do? You turn it over to the, the authority. And if the authority doesn't do it like you thought it was supposed to be done, well, maybe you don't have all the facts. Uh, maybe that person has done everything that he should have done, or she, whoever the authority is, to that person who committed the offense against another devotee. So anyhow, if if, our, if my authority, my, and I consider here in this community, my, my temple presence, my authority, because my spiritual master said to do that. You remember that, Dharma? Srila uh, Gurdjieff said, in the absence of the spiritual master, the temple presence is your authority. And he meant not just spiritual authority, but he meant other kinds of authority too. So if if, uh, if if I see something going on in the community, bring it to the attention to my authority, or, or go talk with Dharma about it, let him bring it to the temple council, and the temple council can discuss among themselves, they can take it to the temple president, they can all con- confer. And then to, what we don't always see is the temple president also has, has available to him other representatives of ISKCON, whom he considers his authority, like Yuri Swami, Ritabhaja Swami, Keshav Bharati Maharaj, so many people that our, spirit, our temple president can go to. All he's got to do is pick up the phone and give him a call. And he says, this is what's happened. Have, have, have we acted properly? And then that authority will, will also say whether they think that it is, 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 is enough. And if we still are thinking, well, that's, that may be what they say, but, you know, they don't know everything. If we, if we take that kind of an attitude, Jorge, um, then we're putting ourselves above them, above our authorities. We're saying, I know more than you do. I make better judgments than you do. Uh, I'm more spiritually advanced than you are. You're not doing your job. And that's not, that's not a good position for us to be in. Because Krishna doesn't like that. And not only will Krishna see that the other parties, whoever they are, have to say, not only will he see that they have to serve, but if we take that kind of attitude, he's going to see that we get some reactions which helps to change, to turn our heads around as well. So uh, uh, there's only so much that we should do uh, in the position that we're in. Like me, I, I would have to know a lot more before I'd make a decision about some person being in the community that shouldn't be here, that should be cast out. You know, I'd have to, and, and the first person I'd go to would be our our, our temple president. 
And if I wasn't satisfied with the answer that I got from him, then I should look at my own self and say, why aren't you satisfied, Reverend Over? He's your authority. Your spiritual master said he's your authority. Why are you not satisfied with that? But if there's something else I won't go, I'd go to Giriaj Maharaj. And I'd, I'd say, Maharaj, can I please talk with you for a few minutes about this situation? And he would. He would give me the time to do that. Or I'd go to Ritatra Maharaj, who is here also. I, I respect both of those men very greatly. And um, so I might discuss something that our temple president had said or had done and made a decision, you know. I say, is, is this right? And I feel sure that that person would have been consulted by our temple president before our temple president made the decision that he did. So there's, there's always, uh, we as devotees, we always feel that we are under someone else's authority. Just because we're wearing white and we, we're, uh, we, we're working at a job and we're providing for our families does not necessarily mean that we are without an authority. Um, just because a person is wearing saffron, of course, he, he recognizes that he's under authority. But a person who is wearing white, sometimes... So Prabhupada, um, no, uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami said in some lectures that uh, uh, he said you should be uh, financially independent, spiritually dependent. In other words, don't depend on the temple to take care of your financial needs, your household needs. That's not the temple's job. It's your job to make sure that your family is working well taken care of. And if you have any money extra, then you help to support the temple and its activities. But as far as your uh, spiritual authority is concerned, there's always going to be somebody that's higher than you are, more, more advanced in spiritual life than you are. And you just have to learn to accept their authority. And if you can't, then you, you should be a little worried about your own spiritual condition. That was a long answer to your question. Oh, not at all, not at all, not at all. To ask a question is 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 rarely offensive. It really depends on the mood which you. But you're asking me in a very humble way, and I appreciate that, uh, even though I'm not your authority. <laughs> So we, we always have to be a, a, a bit humble whenever we're dealing. And, and this is part of what the, the whole class was about today, controlling the mind. Because if your mind uh, starts telling you that, that you know more than somebody else does or you're as good as this other person, then uh, you're, you're saying, I don't have an authority. I'll answer to Krishna, but I won't answer to my temple president. You can make that sound. Or I'll answer to I'll answer to my spiritual master, but I won't answer to my temple president. I don't have to. Then you're that's a dangerous. You're walking on thin ice, you're treading on dangerous ground. Then is that okay? All right. So we'll we'll stop for now. We hope everybody has a delightful day, and I hope that you find some time to chant. The holy names, if you haven't already done so. And if you have, maybe you can chant a few more for me. <laughs> and uh, and that um, please also find a bit of time to read uh, Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Sri Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the nectar of devotion. See if you can find a little bit of time each day as Jai Sri Radhe, our God sister, has suggested. 
because that she's getting her advice also from her spiritual master and ultimately from Srila Prabhupada. We offer our respectful obeisances to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who are just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Banchakalpa Tarubis Cha Kripasanubiavacha Patitanam Pavanibyo Vaishnavibyo Namonamaha Anantakoti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Shishi Vadakalachanjidam Ki Jai Gora Pramananda Haribo